Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the 1865 Match Report with me, Rich Ferraro, and we're recording this on the day that Nottingham Forest recorded a 1-0 home victory over Liverpool in a game that had plenty of incidents, some goal map action, a few good saves, but most importantly, the single goal went Forest's way and was scored by Taiwo Awanyi. Coming up, we're going to have uh, an analysis of the game. We're going to think about how that feels for Forest and what it could mean for the next few matches. And, of course, we will have a news roundup thinking about what's happening at the city ground on and off the pitch. First of all, let's have a look at the Forest team selection, and there were a couple of changes. So, Brennan Johnson dropped out of the starting eleven for the first time this season and was replaced by Taiwo Awanyi, and in midfield, Cheku Kiate came in for Aurel Mangala. I'm joined by Baz today. Uh, Baz, as we went into the game, as we went into the ground rather, I think it's fair to say that fans were feeling pretty buoyant but more in the kind of, well, there's nothing to lose kind of yeah. mindset, weren't they? I actually said to the, um, uh, to the bloke next to, it, next to me, I said, uh, how are you feeling? And he went, I'm really relaxed because um, we're just going to get hammered. <laughs> and um, I don't know, it's a strange one because in the, in, in the aftermath of the Brighton game, so we've had those three games since Leicester where Steve Cooper has tried to batten down the hatches. We've been playing with more of a low block. We've gone to a back four with um, three uh, central midfielders. And you know, let's be honest, against Brighton, an, X, an XG um, of 0.13, where we barely even got into the Brighton half. And I actually predicted that Taiwo was going to play, or a centre-forward was going to play, just purely and simply because against a team like Liverpool, I don't think you can realistically play with three forwards who aren't strikers, I don't think. Um, did the team selection surprise you? No, it kind of, it kind of it fitted pretty well with what I was sort of expecting. Um, I was a little bit surprised that Johnson was dropped, but... 
uh, I would have thought maybe one of the other two would be the ones to, to make way for Taiwo, but but apart from that, um, yeah, it seemed, it seemed to fit with, with kind of what we were expecting, um, and it seemed like a kind of logical way of following on from the second half at Brighton. Yeah, so it's a strange one. The reaction to the Brighton... So our very own Tom has taken a few a few pelters for talking about how he wasn't a big fan of, of the way Forrest played, the fact they set up so defensively, never even made an incursion into the Brighton half. Whereas I didn't enjoy it, but I loved it. <laughs> I really did. And I was really pleased to see... Um, the thing that I loved is that the mark of a good coach is finding different ways to get results and Steve Cooper said after the match today well the thing with the Brighton game is that if we got some wins under our belt that's a good point but because we haven't we really needed a win um but then I think he's damning himself with faint praise there don't you oh I think as well so I mean I know Tom was quite unhappy but um I was reasonably happy with the second half against Brighton and this is something that is relevant for today is because the what I liked the first half I thought was terrible, absolutely awful. But the second half against Brighton, we played like a team and we seemed to know where the other players, each player seemed to know what the other players were doing a little bit. And so therefore we had a bit more cohesion and in the way we played and we carried that through today and I think that's probably my my standout thing for from today's game is for all the banging on that everyone's done about the 22 new players coming in or whatever actually today we played like a team that knew each other and knew what the plan was and knew what everyone else was supposed to be doing mm. now let's talk about some of the action and I think it's fair to say Forrest had more incursions into the Liverpool half in the first 15 minutes than they did into the Brighton half in 90 <laughs> Um, and we did look bright, and I think, you know, it's worth pointing out, Liverpool didn't have an entirely first-choice team out, so they would have liked to have played Darwin Nunez, he couldn't even be on the bench, they had Curtis Jones in midfield, they had James Milner at right-back, um, and it was it was Forrest who really, I think, had probably more dangerous moments, although not before Fabio Carvalho kind of got down the left-hand channel after a lofted ball from the right-hand side, and that was a bit of a... A warning sign. Um, I don't quite know how Carvalho kind of... Firstly, how he carved out the chance, and secondly, how he didn't score, having done it. Yeah, I mean, and I'd, I'd say, actually... I mean, looking back on it, it's quite easy to think, oh, it was, it was a pretty dull, quiet half. But it was, it was quiet in the... Henderson was never really stretched at any point. Our defence was never really stretched, but... Liverpool did actually make quite a few chances, or half chances. Um, they just never really came to anything. Um, and it was almost a, like a bit of complacency. It's like, well, we'll just keep carving through, carving through them. We don't have to worry about it um, from that point of view. Um, they also um, seemed to fall over at every possible opportunity, um, which the referee um, then would give them the free kick at every possible opportunity as well, which is kind of par for the course. You'd expect that off a big side going to a, what's ostensibly a smaller side, but it was infuriating because we know they've got talent on there and they didn't really need to do that, but it was like they couldn't be bothered to, to put the effort in. Mm, let's... I'm sure we shall return to that theme a little bit later, um, particularly to do with with, uh, those 50-50 fouls that they were getting. 
In terms of chances, well, there were two or three, really, um, and and they tended to hinge around Taiwo, who was doing a really outstanding job of playing as a focal point. Um, he, you know, as we've discussed before, he's not necessarily a traditional number nine, but he was doing some good stuff in terms of troubling Joe Gomez and Virgil van Dijk at the centre of the Liverpool back four, and he was getting in behind a few points as well. So there was a moment uh, where he received the ball um, from the right-hand side, held it up on the edge of, well, sort of near the penalty spot, and laid it off to check Kiate. And Kiate got himself into good position, but he couldn't get any power on the shot, and mm. so it was a fairly routine save for Alisson. Um but uh, we did say at the time, that's one shot on target, that's more than Brighton. <laughs> that's, that's a fair point. And I think that was within the first 15 minutes or yeah. so, wasn't it? And then Taiwo got himself on the left-hand corner of the box. And for any listeners of a certain vintage, I had, did have visions of Teddy Sheringham 30 years ago against Liverpool in the very first televised Sky Sports Super Sunday game because he cut in on the, right, on the left-hand corner of the box onto his right foot. But... He couldn't get any power on the shot, and it was, it was again, easy save for Alisson. And then, once again, so a, co- uh, a counter-attack. I think it was um, Yates played the ball forwards to Awanyi. Awanyi did some really good hold-up play, um, laid it off to the left-hand side for Lingard, who was running on the overlap. And I think if Lingard had had it in his right foot, it might have been a different outcome. But uh, in a theme that we uh, have, you might have noticed... He didn't get enough power on the shots. <laughs> um, and just just a quick word about Lingard as well, though. Mm. So we both both of us mentioned that he seemed to be enjoying himself this game, um, which probably hasn't been the case while he's been playing for for the, most of the games recently. Um, he never really really threatened Liverpool, but he was putting himself about, putting a, a decent shift in. It was just his like little final balls weren't quite right, or it wasn't quite connecting for him. Mm. And what I'd say, so my my take on this is that um, I think Lingard is a very much a confidence player and obviously things haven't been going well and you can see that that first touch, you know, that thing where the ball bounces a foot away off your first touch rather than sticking between your feet, I think that's something that was noticeable. And today, the more the match went on, the more he seemed to be, that phrase, enjoying himself. And it gave him, he's a player who needs to play with a smile on his face, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was it was nice to see, and I can see why you can see why Jono got dropped and Lingard uh, stayed up front because actually he does have a really good work rate. Mm. It's just sometimes his defensive posi- uh, the the actual tackle or whatever isn't quite there, but the fact that he puts the work in makes a big difference. Yeah, um, worth pointing out it wasn't all one way traffic, so um, Liverpool did have one or two. Um, Vague efforts on goal, uh, most notably Virgil van Dijk did get a header from a corner. Um, that is something, look, I mean, he's just an absolute man mountain, isn't he? And I have to say, he was better as a forward than he was as a defender today. Um, he got an, a, a header, but it went harmlessly wide, basically. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was trying to head it across or just didn't make proper contact. Um, and so at half time, it was nil nil and a very positive feeling. And that positive feeling did continue, and early on in the second half, I think a moment that probably won't go down in the kind of history books, but might have been important for a reason or two. Taiwo was trying to break um, from the forest half um, early on in the second half, and he 
knocked the ball past Joe Gomez, and Joe Gomez did a rugby tackle. So it's one of those which is, by the letter of the law, it's a yellow card. In reality, it's an orange card because he made no attempt to play the ball. He actually had two attempts to, to pull Tywo back. There was a covering defender just about. So yellow card's the right decision, but it lifted the team and the crowd quite a lot, didn't it? Yeah, and as I say, the, the first half had been characterised by all these 50-50s and the, the Liverpool players winning fouls when they fell over. So for us to win a foul when it was quite blatant like that was was, was a big deal for us. Mm. Um, and it was almost... Because it was, it was Taiwo was, was getting past Gomez... And then I think it was Van Dyke, but Van Dyke was, although he was behind Gomez, he was over the other side of the pitch, so he'd have had a long way to go. So I was a little bit aggrieved that it ended up as a free kick because I was like, well, now they've got everyone back, mm. and what can we do from this? But um, turns out we could score. Well, so yeah, so it's worth pointing out that happened early on. And then a few minutes later, Gomez again fouled Awanyi, and this was what, about 30 yards out? Mm to the left of the goal as you look at the goal and a good opportunity for Gibbs White to put a ball in. And I have to say, when Steve Cook peeled over to the right-hand side, you could see Cook, he was trying to stay onside. And he pulled over to the right-hand side and he found himself with basically the freedom of Nottingham. And I can remember going, oh, right, look at that. And then I was like, oh, it's Steve Cook. <laughs> yeah. And, and fair play. So, look. Steve Cook is a head it, kick it, centre-off. We know that. But he's also not so bad in the opposition box. He's had some good moments for Bournemouth over the years. And so he did exactly the right thing. He drove the ball in, hard and low, into the six-yard area. And there was Ryan Yates. All he had to do was make contact. And he did. And the ball went past Allison, hit the post. And I thought it hit the post and went in because people jumping up around me. And then, out the, just through a little gap, I saw the ball hadn't gone in, but Taiwo Wanyi pounced on the loose ball and put it into the back of the net. We all started jumping about and then going, oh, crap, VAR's going to find an offside because we were thinking yeah. there's about three there, potential was, offsides. Yeah, there was, there was obviously there was Cook that could have been offside. And then there were three Forest players in the box, Yates, Wanyi, and one other. And I had no idea if they were onside or not mm. when the ball was played through, so... So, yeah, it, it was a, a moment. And, and the replay showed that Yates was very, very clearly onside. Cook was onside, but there might have been another Forest player who was offside in that initial phase, but it didn't affect anything. And then a one-year came, um, was level, and, and as he spanked the ball home. So a nice moment for Taiwo, because obviously he, he had some time at Liverpool, never really had a chance to, to, to stake his claim due to all kinds of um, work permit issues and so on and so forth. And so Forrest had the lead, and the noise was deafening in the city ground. Probably the, the loudest we've heard it in a few weeks, because obviously when results aren't good, it's hard to get the atmosphere going. But the city ground was rocking today, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even before the goal, it was, it was loud, but, yeah. but this really made the difference. Yeah, and so naturally you're thinking, OK... Let's not throw this away because Liverpool got a corner a couple of minutes later. And five minutes to go and you're thinking that's quite a long time to... Exactly. And, and of course, naturally, the most dangerous time is when you've just scored. So Liverpool get a corner and we think, keep it, keep it tight. Remember, lads, we've been playing to a plan. We've been working really hard. Keep your concentration. And Forrest not only defended the corner, but then they went up to the other end. Um, again, I think it was... Um, 
Is it a one ye and um, and Lingard were involved? But anyway, ended up with Morgan Gibbs White, left hand side of the box, and he took a shot, and I think Allison managed to palm it wide. Mm. And if that had gone in, poof, the, I mean, <laughs> seriously, the, the roof would have come off. It wasn't to be. And so you can, you know, 2 0 would have been much better. And what was interesting there is that Liverpool made their first subs. So what they did is they. Uh, decided to bring off James Milner and uh, they took off... Uh, who else did they take off? They uh, took off James Milner and Fabio Carvalho and they put on uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold at right back and Jordan Henderson in the middle of the park and they went from a 4-3-3 to a 4-4-2 and it did change their shape because... Well, they... I mean, the, on, the, on paper, they, Liverpool were a 4-3-3 at the start but they were almost playing like a 3-5-2, pushing... Yeah. Pushing uh, so Milner was kind of like the third centre half, and they were pushing right up, which I guess was it kind of makes sense for when you're playing against Forest. It's always been the case under Steve Cooper that our attacks came from the wings, mm. so they wanted to push right up on onto our onto our wing backs or wing uh, full backs, but we didn't play that way. Mm. Yeah, so um, in the first half, we were commenting about how Robertson was effectively playing as a left winger and Harvey Elliott was playing as a kind of very wide on the right. So it meant it was like a, a sort of a 3-5-2, type arrangement, depending on how high up Carvalho was playing. And um, Salah was certainly playing more central than we'd normally see him. And then they went 4-4-2. And we immediately changed our shape as well. Exactly. So Forrest's counter was to go basically um, five three two five five nothing five five nothing. I'd have called it. So um, so Lingard came off and he'd he'd had a really good match and and he had um, earned his ovation. Yeah. I think um, there's all there's always a few naysayers when you've got a big name player and they're not doing well and you kind of think, well, is he, he just here for the money? But no, Lingard, I say, if he's playing with a smile on his face and people recognise that today. So he came off and a one year came off and on came Brennan Johnson to play as the wide forward and to replace the centre forward, we brought on Joe Worrell, who isn't <laughs> a centre forward. So we basically played 5-3-2 with two wide forwards but no kind of number 10 or false nine. Um, and, and, kind of, and you kind of think, well... There's still 25 minutes to go plus stoppage time. Is this a bit risky? But on the whole, actually, Forrest managed it quite well. We knew that Liverpool would come at us. Well, I mean, to, to be... F- I, I remember thinking, and I didn't want to say because I didn't want to jinx anything, but I thought Liverpool, when they changed shape, they started looking really rattled. They didn't look very confident going forwards. And they didn't like it when we went when we counted on them. Mm. Um, and I think I think part of the reason for bringing Jono on was because Gomez was on a yellow card because yeah. Van Dijk's had his issues this season. So actually, because they play quite high up the pitch, having someone with a bit of pace on was probably the right thing to do. But the way we set up it, it did look quite worrying when the substitutions were made. Yes, and let's be honest. Um, it was the case that Liverpool probably had more chances as the match went on, which you'd expect from a team who have won the league and been in the Champions League final and, and all that. You'd expect them to not give up and play for and, the full... And you'd also expect, even if they're playing badly, they're going to create chances. But yeah. A, a team of that quality, you, you're gonna, you, you can't ever sort of rest on your laurels against them. Yeah, so Alexander-Arnold actually had a chance which was... 
saved well by um, Dean Henderson at is one of those where the ball went across the goal. Alexander Arnold's at the back stick, so Henderson went across and he saved it low, and then Salah hit the um, rebound over the goal. And then the chances that everyone will be talking about, they all came... Basically, Steve Cook was announced as the man of the match on about 85 minutes, as they usually do. And if the people selecting the man of the match had just waited five more minutes, (laughs) then they might have chosen very differently, because Dean Henderson produced two or three really good saves, and one which I think everyone's going to be purring over on Match Their Day, and it's all over the internet already, um, which was a Van Dijk header... Um, where Van Dijk rose highest from a corner. He headed it down, is fairly central, but slightly to keeper's left. And so Henderson got down really effectively. He put his hand out, and it's one of those where he's almost clawing it out from underneath himself. So that's why it looks really good. Also worth pointing out that in that moment, um, because this was in, on 90 minutes, when the, the stoppage time board for five minutes had just gone up, that Liverpool sent Alisson forward um, mm-hmm. to, to kind of compete for the corner, and Alisson actually gave away the free kick from that rebound from Henderson. And Forrest were trying to kind of kill the game, so trying to find the corner flag and so on and so forth. But as we said earlier, you know that when you're playing Liverpool, that every 50-50 decision, they're very good at winning free kicks and falling over and, and, and making the ref give a decision that way. Uh, does that mean the ref should be fooled by it? Absolutely not. But there's a there's a moment where um, Milner had won a free kick against Nico Williams in the first half, and then later on Nico ran against him. And you're just going in two or three years' time, Nico's going to be able to get the free kick every time because he'll have learned how to win it in those situations. Um, so yeah, so two or three good saves, and then. When Alisson went forward for a free kick, uh, sorry, a corner kick in about the 95th minute. Um, oh, but, uh, oh, yeah, we were, so every time Alisson went forwards, all our players would come in to defend the corner and we were yelling at Jono, get forwards, get forwards to, to receive it. Yeah. And he didn't, he kept on staying back. But then this, yeah, this second one, uh, right on the 95th minute or something, the ball broke and um, Gibbs White, wasn't it, that carried it out yeah. from our half. So Ye- Yates, interestingly, Yates, he actually played it out to Gibbs White. He didn't hoof it, which is very easy to do in a defensive situation. Um, Forrest did that very well today, actually. They stayed calm mm. in those defensive situations when they would normally hoof it and have done in previous matches. They've tried to find an outlet and um, players like Gibbs White and Kuyate as well, he did that very well. Yep. Um and they, they, they found the outlet, and Gibbs White went forward, and everyone's going, he's, he's just found a yard of space. He did a little shimmy, found a yard of space just inside his own half. The goal was actually absolutely empty. It, because was, it was sort of two on two yeah. with, uh, with Gibbs White and, and Jono, but yeah, Gibbs White was a long way out, but the goal was empty in front of him. Yeah, and, and you'd pointed out afterwards that Alisson had kind of, he'd started retreating and then when the ball went out towards the halfway line, it's almost like he turned around expecting a Liverpool player to hoof it back into the mix. Yeah. But so Gibbs he, White he went, had the ball. Yeah. So he went back further into our half, which made things even worse for him. And then Gibbs White had the ball and I say, he just did this shimmy and I just thought, now's your chance to just boot it towards the goal. And um, he didn't. He cut inside. He laid it out wide to Johnson. And I think Johnson thought, well, I'm offside, so he just kind of almost hesitated for a second. Then he thought, the flag didn't go up, and he thought, I'm just going to go for it. So he kind of shimmied past his man. 
hit the shot from 40 yards, 35, mm. 40 yards near the touchline. And as it curled from our angle, yeah, we were just going, yeah, we are just going, it's wide, it's wide, it's curling in, it's curling in. Oh my God, it's in, it's in. Hits the post, comes back out again. <laughs> and then gets flagged for offside. And then gets flagged for offside. But that was the last significant action of the match. And unbelievably, and rather jubilantly, Forrest won by one goal to nil. Coming up in just a second, we're going to dissect a little bit of that. We're going to talk about Steve Cooper. We're going to talk about the plan. And we'll get a news roundup from Callum. The 1865 Match Report. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You're listening to 1865, Nottingham Forest Podcast. Welcome back to the 1865 Match Report. And, Baz, I mean, everyone's going to be happy because it's a win over Liverpool and there's this kind of historic historic niggle with Liverpool mm. between Forest and Liverpool um, from, from many, many years ago. I think what's potentially more significant is what you were alluding to earlier, which is that Forest finally are looking like they are starting to gel, like the players know what their roles are. And what I was really encouraged by was that against Brighton, we may not have enjoyed it, but against Brighton and against Liverpool, we obviously had a plan and were able to stick to it. Mm. So I think that's potentially the most significant thing coming out of this week. Yeah, yeah. And I think... um, I've not really heard any any of the match reports or anyone mentioning it, but I think that um, Remo Freuler is absolutely integral to that. Um, A lot of the goals we conceded when we were leaking goals came from that space between the defence and the midfield. And what he's been doing is sitting in that space and then organising everyone around him. He's like the glue that... He's not actually been doing much himself with the ball or without the ball. He's not been tackling, he's not been passing... But he's just been sitting there and making sure that everyone else is doing their jobs. Mm. And I think it's really, really important. And I think that's one of the things that's made a big, big difference. And one of the things that we also talked about in the 3-4-3 or 3-4-1-2 formation was the fact that Yates and Kayate and, you know, who sometimes O'Brien, um, they were getting the runaround quite a lot. And crucially, they they ended up resorting to headless chickens because they had quite a lot of ground to cover. By having Freuler sitting in the sixth position, it means the two number eights, so today was, was Yates and Kiate, um, they know what they need to do. They don't have to cover too much ground. It makes their jobs easier. And Freuler can sit in there. And, and I mean, we, we alluded to this previously. I thought Freuler was going to be kind of more of a ball player. And actually, his 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 asset comes from his reading of the game mm. rather than what he's doing with the ball. Actually, sometimes when he passes the ball, he's you can tell he's been playing in Serie A because he's he's almost slowing the game down. It's like no, no, don't slow it down. Um, play it ahead of your man rather than to his feet. Um, but yeah, that that role is really really crucial. Um, let's talk about midfield because you talked about Freuler there. 
Um, Kayate had probably his best game in a Forest yeah, shirt today, I, didn't he? I would have put Kayate down as man of the match, I think, because he was, um, like you say, he was playing as this sort of number eight, this sort of box-to-box midfielder role, which Yates was also doing, but the two of them were working together. So they were, both weren't going at the same time. They were timing their runs, making sure when one was going, the other was holding back. Um, and Kiate was all over the pitch. He was our defensive first line for a lot of it. Um, but he was also the, the one carrying the ball forwards and, and making things happen. Oh yeah, and we should have mentioned um, in part one of the podcast that uh, there was a moment uh, when we were 1-0 up where Gibbs White played the ball, he got received the ball in the channels and Kiyata just made a lung-busting run to set up Brennan Johnson and actually Brennan's first touch after coming on as a sub mm-hmm. um, almost was a goal. Uh, it was a decent save by Alisson. Routine but decent. And that came from Kiate running, I think, about 70-odd yards. Mm. Um, and you could tell afterwards, it's just like, oh, he just yeah. completely ran out of puff, didn't he? <laughs> and it was, I mean, yeah, obviously, there's with some of the players, you think there are probably fit, still some fitness issues with Kiate being one of them. After that run, he looked like he was, that he was done for the day. Mm. And um, he came off not long after. Um, but, the, the, yeah, the, what he gave us today was... What we really needed that that sort of that drive and that energy that when, earlier in the season when everyone was clamouring for O'Brien to come in, and I know he's he's sick, isn't he? He's got yeah. an illness. So that drive and that energy, Yates and Kiate are giving us, which they didn't really get. They, they were too much of a headless chicken before. Whereas now yeah. that drive and that energy is focused and it's, it's happening at the right times. Yeah, and uh, so let's move on to Ryan Yates because you talked about what Kiate did. One of the things that was noticeable is that when Liverpool were sort of playing three at the back in the first half, that Yates was the one breaking forward to nibble at their defenders. Yeah. Um, and and I mean, I think. Bearing in mind, this time last year, people were doubting whether Ryan Yates could play in the Championship. For the first six, seven matches of this season, people were doubting whether he could make the step up to the Premier League. On Tuesday, he was an absolute warrior, and he absolutely bettered that performance tonight. He was abs. So, Steve Cook got the man of the match from the Forest sponsors. Dean Henderson will be getting all applaudits. Um, from you know, people watching the highlights for yeah, those days. Got it from the bloke site next to me. Yeah, a one year has got. I think the BBC app has given a one year the man of the match as well, and he was brilliant. But for me, Ryan Yates absolutely epitomised everything that was good about Forrest. He was getting all his tackles in. He was winning the ball. He wasn't panicking when he um, when he had the ball. Um, and again, perhaps we should have mentioned it in part one. He had a lovely moment where he he ran forward with the ball, played a one-two with Gibbs White, suddenly found himself through on goal. And in the words of his post-match interview with Radio Nottingham, he said, when we played them in the cup and I had that chance, which uh, almost ended up being a penalty, I noticed that Alisson came out really, really quickly to face me. So this time I kind of got through and I just took a second and I thought, he's going to come out really quickly, which he did. So I thought, I'm just going to lift it over him. And he still saved it anyway, so what <laughs> am I going to do? And then just after that moment, brilliant save by Alisson, by the way. Steve Cooper said it was his save of the match. Mm. Um, and then from the resulting corner, I tell you what, <laughs> there's a moment there. We were, we, like, everyone was singing if the 80 scores we were in the trend, as you'd expect. 
if Yatesy had scored that one rose through, there would have been 30,000 people in the Trent. <laughs> <laughs> people would have been knocking over the Trent end just to jump in the river. Um, he was absolutely outstanding once the, again. The other thing to mention just about Yates is he was captain today, obviously with, uh, with Worrell uh, not starting, and with the referee, he was actually doing the captain's job of talking to the referee, asking him about the decisions, pointing out the things that he was getting wrong. And so he was he was doing all the parts of his job really, really well. Yeah, it, I mean, he's a player that we're seeing grow every every game. And just like we did last season, mm. actually. And, and it's, it's wonderful to see because it's also, for those people who kind of say, oh, well, this player's, you know, uh, he's got a good attitude, but he's not good enough or whatever. It just goes to show that actually... Attitude plus coaching can take you a long way in the modern game. Mm. You don't have to have the best ability, although if you're someone like Morgan Gibbs-White, where you've got attitude and ability, then that takes you a long way. So, also, let's point out a couple of things from post-match. Uh, the final whistle went. The Forest players were jubilant. I think Dean Henderson ended up somewhere in the lower Bridgeford. Mm. And... Noticeable that uh, as we got into stoppage time, Kiate and Lingard were on the touchline by the dugout, geeing up the main stand yeah. to make more noise. It was noticeable that when the final whistle went, Gibbs White and Lingard in particular, they looked like they'd just won the lottery. Um, <laughs> yeah, Lingard was doing a jig all the way around the touchline. Yeah, he was absolutely loving it. Obviously, Tywo had come off as a sub and he, and he was back on the pitch to celebrate. Um, Stevie Cooper, they started playing Just Can't Get Enough, we're all waiting for the fist pumps, Stevie Cooper kept it low-key. He came out, he shook hands with everyone, he kind of stayed in the kind of centre circle area and applauded all sides of the ground and then retreated to the tunnel. And I think there's a few people, myself included, who were thinking, well, is he going to come back out again? And it became clear he wasn't. And then in his post-match interview... He said, um, you know, he talked about um, how it was very pleasing that Forrest were able to get the win, not just because of the situation we're in, but also because he's aware of the history between mm. Forrest and Liverpool. Um, he talked about it being a good reference point, but he also was very keen to make the point that he didn't say, I didn't celebrate because. What he did say was he said... I think that this can needs to be kind of a good example that we can use mm. for, for future matches. Um, have you got any comments on that? Um, actually, before, before I get to, to Cooper's response, the other thing I'd, I just wanted to point out is earlier in the season, when we were struggling, leaking the goals, uh, whatever it was, 16 goals in four games mm -hmm. or whatever it was, at the end of the game, it was quite noticeable that it would be Yates and Worrell and O'Brien and Toffolo, the, mm -hmm. the, the players from the Championship, that would come out and applaud the fans. Um, but what was very apparent today was all the players went out to applaud the fans. They, mm. they felt our contribution, all of them did. And um, I, I know it's easy when you've made, had a big win um, to do that, but... Yeah, as you said, it was like like a one year was one of the first out, uh, even and Kayate and, and Lingard from the touchline while the game was still going on were doing it. It was um, it was that they obviously it, it it mattered. They could see the contribution we were making, mm. and they wanted it to continue. And 
in fairness, this is something that Steve Cooper said in his pre-match interview. He said, the fans are being brilliant and we're not repaying them. Mm. He, he didn't use those precise words, I'm paraphrasing. But he said, we want to do something to show the fans that we can. We want to repay that, we want to do better yeah. because they're doing such a good job. And and to say, the City Ground, there have been a couple of games where the atmosphere has tailed off a little bit, but... We are we are doing our bit on the whole, and mm. against Villa, which wasn't a great game, we made lots of noise because we were excited about Cooper staying. And today it was an absolute cauldron again. And then, but then, yeah, as as you say, Cooper didn't celebrate massively because, and he made the point that it's it's only one win, and we've still got a long way to go. Mm. Mm. Which um, and that, that again, that was something that he used to do repeatedly last season was. Yep. Um, I actually know the the best example of it was when we played Liverpool in the cup last season, mm-hmm. and everyone was singing our praises. And one of the interviewers said that was an amazing performance, wasn't it? And went, well, no, we lost. Yeah. And so he he's still got the the big prize in his mind. He knows he he knows this is just a step. Mm. Just one little thing that I want to talk about that that we had been discussing in our group chat earlier in the week, and and you talked about when we were in the car going to the ground. For all this talk about Forrest going ultra-defensive for those two, three matches, and, you know, the criticism about not entering the Brighton half, you pointed out that something similar happened last season, but just on a, on a slightly different scale, because it was in the Championship. Yeah, so last season, when Coop came in, we had um, a, a few matches where we sort of got uh, getting acclimatised to it, and then the Bristol City game happened... And then we went on a bit of a run with a series of wins, and I can't remember the exact stats or whatever, but those wins, they tended to happen where we would concede the first goal, and then we would chase the game, and then we would we would win. And, 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 and also, we, we, had, we had that sticky patch in January yeah. as well, yeah. And, there, there was, and we had that thing where we got that reputation for scoring in the 91st minute mm-hmm. or whatever it was. And Cooper actually went out and said, I'm not really very happy about this, we need to start scoring the first goal rather than chasing the game. And we then had a period of about two or three games where we didn't play the same way. We changed the way we played. And I can distinctly remember looking up the statistics and, and looking up our XG stats. And for the, for the games up to that point, we had an XG of four point something, which is ridiculously high. But we also had an XG against of three something. And then for those three or four games where we changed how we played, our XG dropped to 0.5, but then the XG against also dropped to 0.5. And then our XG went back up again as we started playing attacking. So it's obviously, um, obviously people talk about it a lot. It's like, yeah, you have to get the, you have to get the, back, the defence right first. Uh, you have to build from the back and everything. And that's basically what he seems to have been doing is, yeah, like, right, right, forget about the attack. Let's just concentrate on this bit. Get this bit right. Do the drills here. Know your job here. Get this bit right. And then once we've got that bit, then we can concentrate on the next bit. And if you look at... Um, I mean, obviously, as Forest supporters, we grew up with Brian Clough and his principles of you build from the back, get get it solid first, and then you can add the fairy dust there. Nico Williams talked about it in his interviews earlier this week. But even if you look at Liverpool's championship winning teams, you look at Man City, it's built upon getting things right from the basis. So in Man City's case, a big part of that was getting Edison in 
and then recently signing Ruben Diaz to be as a kind of a defensive mm. general. For Liverpool, it was Van Dijk. They were good, and then they got Van Dijk, and they became absolutely imperious because they were getting things right at the back. So I don't think that's a bad bad approach to take. And, and I think the, the Brighton game is quite indicative of that because, as I said, I thought the first half was awful, and we didn't look like we were getting it. We, we we didn't look like we could move the ball, not even in our own half or anything. Mm. It was just like it was just like just stand, get get as many bodies in front of the goal as possible. Yes. Whereas in the second half, it was actually there was a bit of structure to it, and there was a bit of um, teamwork and interplay between the players, and they seemed to know their jobs a bit better. So it was almost like yeah, so we'd broken it all down into pieces and then started building it up back up brick by brick. Mm. Before we move on, let's just move over and hear from the 1865 News Desk. Hi, it's Callum with the 1865 News. It's been a bit of a quieter week this week, for Forest standards anyway. Um, mainly injuries to talk about this week. So, Lewis O'Brien's been out unwell. Uh, he should be back soon, hopefully. He's missed a few games now. It's just an illness. Um, and Renan Lodi announced on Instagram that he was recovering from a minor ankle sprain, which he was in the squad against Liverpool, so he should be OK from now. Um, Harry Tuffalo got that injury out against Brighton. I think it's a hamstring injury, so he could be out for a little while. And um, the last bit, really, other than injuries is Steven Gerrard was was sacked this week, which hasn't really got anything to do with Forrest, but Tony Cascarino predicted that Steve Cooper would be the first manager to be sacked in the Premier League, and that's four down. So thank you very much, and I'll be back with the news again soon. Thank you very much, as always, Callum. Now, Bowser, I think there's only three matches to go before the World mm. Cup break. And the next one is a really, really tough cookie. It's away at Arsenal. And actually, I think that Forrest, of course, it's going to be a tough one. But given the way that Forrest have played, Arsenal are a team that need to break teams down. And if Forrest can stick with this formula of getting assigning tasks to players, assigning jobs to players, um, everyone knowing what they're doing, um, you know, for example, one of the things we noticed is uh, we know that Brennan hasn't been brilliant defensively, but we noticed as well that Serge Aurier was in his ear all the time when he came yeah, in as a yeah. sub, telling him where to go. So that idea about players getting used to each other, that's the only way we're going to be able to get have any hope in a game against Arsenal at the Emirates, isn't it? Absolutely. And but also one of the other things to note is although last season under Cooper, Forrest did quite often press high up the pitch, if you were to characterise our style, it would have been keep it tight and hit on the break. We were very much a counter-attacking side and that's what today's performance was and that's what we could do at the Emirates. Whether we'll get the result is an entirely different thing, but if we can start building that that style of play and that identity again, then I think that's going to stand us in good stead. Mm. Um, last thing to note, now this is probably going to have changed by the time you listen to this, but uh, <laughs> we're talking about the table and in the Championship, I never get too concerned about the table before December, but it's a shorter season in the Premier League. And uh, it's a bit of a weird one. Yeah, and one of the things that, that you and I were discussing on our way to the ground is that the division is a little bit more compact this season. And you look at the bottom half of the table, and 
At the time of recording, Leicester are bottom on eight points, and then there's four teams on nine points, and then two teams on uh, on eleven points. Now those will change as the weekend goes on, but one of the things that's very important in terms of not getting relegated, if that's to happen, is the idea that there's also three teams worse than you. Now for the first ten matches of the season, we would have said there's no there's no teams worse <laughs> than Forest. But um, is there is there is there a glimmer of light? Well, so I mean, before the before the Brighton game, I was looking at the fixtures, going, I can't see us getting another point before January, maybe not even until February. Mm-hmm. Whereas, obviously, since then we've now got four points. Um, the fact that we're still that there's so many teams on nine points means that no one's running away from it. There's mm. still a big group of teams that could fall into that three three teams worse than us category mm. which means that yeah if we can get through to the world cup and and not have a gap which is starting to look a bit more likely now then yeah that that's 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 something that was unthinkable maybe 2 weeks ago after leicester and, and and crucially, there's lots and lots of variables, not least the January transfer window coming up. Teams who've got lots of players going to the World Cup. Um, we were saying as well that um, Nico and, and and Brennan and Hennessy going to the World Cup with Wales. It doesn't matter how well Wales do; they'll be on a high because yeah. they'll come away just being delighted to have, have been there and competed. Whereas, uh, to, you know, saying that the teams that have got say English players in them. Unless England win the World Cup, they're going to come back disappointed and tired. Yeah. Um, And the other thing that's a glaring thing to note is that Forrest have given their manager a new contract. Wolves have got rid of their manager. Villa have got rid of their manager. Leeds... I mean, Jesse knows, Marsh is all. Yeah, who knows? Jesse Marsh is, is is not a popular man in West Yorkshire. And then... Leicester, of course, Brendan Rodgers has got lots of pressure on him unless results turn around pretty quickly. So is that also a sign that sticking with the gaffer has been the right thing to do? I think I think well, it, what it does is it gives us an extra few weeks of building a style, building an identity and building a way of playing. So um, whenever Wolves' manager comes in, they're going to be starting from scratch, but two or three weeks behind us. So, I mean, obviously the World Cup throws a bit of a spanner in the works on that side, but it does mean we've had that extra, that time to build the identity. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, Thank you very much to you, Baz. Uh, Thank you to the 1865 Podcast for her production skills today. And also, thank you to you, listener, for joining us. We also say thank you to Callum. We will be back very soon. Look after yourself in the meantime, and let's enjoy the victory. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.